You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you all here. Um, I'd love for us to welcome uh, my good friend Dennis. Uh, Dennis, uh, along with his wife Michelle, have four uh, wonderful children. And um, how long have we known each other now, Dennis? Good few years. Good few it? years, yeah. Yeah. And um, you'll hate me for saying this, but Dennis, Michelle, the family have been such a blessing to, to Joni and I personally and our kids. And uh, of course, those of you who know and love them in the church, I know they're an incredible blessing uh, to us as a church family. So uh, I'd love to pray for you, Dennis, and then we'll That'd be great, off. thanks. Yeah, Father, just thank you so much. Lord, what you've done in Dennis's life and many respects his life is a message and uh, his, his life is, you've been preparing his message through his life over all these years. Lord, thank you that um, he is an ambassador for Christ and Lord, you make your appeal to people through him. Lord, we just ask that you would come now by your Holy Spirit. First, you would give Dennis real unction and just a freedom just to share his heart. And Lord, for our hearts this morning, that we would be open, receptive. Hearts would be soft, tender towards your voice Mm -hmm. and your whisper. Lord, you would bring whatever you need to bring today. If you want to bring encouragement, (coughs) correction, healing, freedom, whatever it is, Lord, we just say, come and have your way. Let your kingdom come upon us in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, John. Good morning and welcome. And uh, welcome to those who are watching online. It's really good to see you guys this morning, and I'm really excited to share this message with you this morning. Um, John's given something of an introduction uh, uh, of, of who I am, so um, you might be wondering about my strange accent. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, so my name's Dennis, uh, my wife is Michelle, and I've got um, four lovely daughters, Ruth, Lucy, Sarah-Jane, and Kaylee. Um, and um, maybe just to share a little bit about how we ended up here in Hull, um, of all places. Um, Our journey started quite some time ago. We're originally from South Africa, uh, and in 2009, we moved from South Africa to Zambia, where we were involved in setting up a Bible college uh, to train pastors from rural churches in Zambia and Malawi. Um, While we were in Zambia, I was working as a school teacher full-time, and we were also elders in a local church in Lusaka. And we loved, we absolutely loved Zambia. It's a fantastic place uh, to live, and we had some fantastic friends. It was a great experience. Um, God really worked in our own lives um, through our time there. But in 2015, um, God spoke clearly to Michelle and I about moving to the UK. And um, in 2016, I started working as a chemistry teacher at Hymas College, and, I, and I'm still working there. I'm still a teacher. Um, and so we've been here nearly, we've been in the UK nearly six years. Um, church-wise, when we arrived in Hull, 
um, we were invited along to a local Anglican church, and so we joined some friends there in a, in a local church, an Anglican church, just while we were finding our feet. But I think it had, it, for Michelle and I, it's always been in our hearts to be involved in church planting, uh, to be involved in pioneering. Um, and so together with um, our sort of wider relationships, we're part of a, a wider movement of churches, um, uh, together with them, a few months before the pandemic, uh, we started a small church plant. Initially, we started meeting in our home, um, and then we went into a rented venue on Prince's Avenue. Um, and needless to say, uh, the pandemic hit, and within a couple of months, we were back in our home on Zoom. Um, and, um, you know, planting a church during the pandemic was... Actually, it was, it was quite a diff, it was, you know, difficult, um, but it was also just an incredible time for us. Uh, God just did amazing things in our own personal lives. We, we grew in the Lord, um, and, and he did amazing things um, in the lives of the people that were gathered together with us. Um, but I think it was also a very difficult time for us as a family. Um, we felt very isolated, um, and yeah, it's just a really, really tough time. And so together with those who we were in relationship with, um, in September last year, we were advised to close, close things down and join a local church. Um, and as John said earlier, I'd known John for some time. Um, we had known each other through Hymas College because uh, John did, did a lot of work with Hymas College. Um, and, um, and I got to know him through that. Also, our girls were friends, and our girls had been coming along to the youth. So it seemed like a really good fit. But I think also the Lord spoke to us clearly uh, about, about joining here, putting roots down here for a season. And so we're incredibly grateful for John and Joni as well, reaching out to us. And um, we're just so blessed to be a part of this, this community, this church. Um, and so many of you have so warmly uh, reached out to us and welcomed us, and so we are, we're very grateful for that. Um, and, you know, Michelle and I, we, we love church. We love the family of God. Um, we love being a part of the bride of Christ, and we love playing our part uh, in the plans that the Lord has for his church. And in whatever way that might be, we just want to, to serve. You know, Hopefully, I think in our hearts, I think we'd still love to be a part of, of, of pioneering something new, being a part of church planting, but we really don't mind. We just want to serve the Lord. Um, for now, he has clearly told us uh, to wait and see and to do whatever comes to hand, and so that's our plan at the moment. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a real privilege to share this message with you this morning. Um, just to give it a bit of context, we have had a little bit of context already, um, but this is the first message in a three-part Easter series called Who Was, Who Is, and Who Is to Come. Um, and we're going to be looking into, we're going to be trying to learn more, discovering more about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, we're going to be learning a little bit more about the message of the gospel. And this first part, entitled Who Was, is all about uh, the cross of Jesus, now, for those who are perhaps new to Christianity or reasonably new to Christianity, um, the cross is the principal symbol of the Christian faith, um, of the Christian religion. And the reason for this is that it recalls the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the redeeming benefits of his passion 
and his death. So the cross is both a a sign um, of Jesus Christ himself and the faith that we have as Christians. Um, The cross is the heart of Christianity. Um, The Bible is filled with references to the cross. Um, Thousands and thousands of books have been written throughout history on the cross. Movies have been made about it. Countless statues, ornaments, jewelry have been created through the last 2,000 years representing and celebrating the cross of Christ. It's the most recognizable um, symbol of Christianity. Um, But why is it so important? Why is... Uh, why does it have any real significance for us today, for our lives, both those for us, both those of us who are already following Christ, but perhaps maybe for, for, for those who are not yet following Christ? Now, one of the writers in the New Testament is a guy called Paul. Um, you might have heard of him. Um, he wrote extensively in the, in the New Testament, and he taught extensively about the cross in his letters to some of the early churches. And we are going to start by taking a look at a passage in the Bible from a letter that he wrote. Um, So uh, we're gonna look in 1 Corinthians chapter one, uh, verse 18 to 31. And so I'm just gonna read from there. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand a sign and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness, sorry, the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. Sorry, because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. What an incredible statement from Paul. I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. So Paul is saying to the Corinthians, there is nothing else in my ministry to you, the Corinthian church, that is important as this, that Jesus 
died for you. There's nothing else as important as that. There's nothing else uh, that is worth knowing greater than this one thing. This is the single most determining factor in the life of a Christian and in the life of a church. In this letter to the Corinthians, Paul says something quite interesting as well. He's talking about wisdom and he's talking about folly. He says that for some, this message will seem like folly, but for others, it is the very power of God unto salvation. And so Paul says here that, this, that the message of the cross is foolishness to the strong and the worldly wise. It's foolishness for those who claim to know it all and for those who think they have it all. Paul says that for these, the message about Christ dying on a cross will seem weak, stupid, and even inadequate. For some people, it's going to seem something that it seems like something laughable. For some people, it's going to seem offensive. And we, we know that sometimes reactions that we get from people when we tell them about Jesus on the cross, sometimes there's a, there's a reaction there. It seems like a really silly thing. But the interesting thing is Paul is speaking here not necessarily to unbelievers or, or, or people who are not following Jesus. This is a letter to the Corinthian church. And so for even us as Christians, sometimes we measure our lives by worldly standards. You know, our aim in life sometimes is to, to be good at our jobs, uh, to be well-liked by our colleagues. Um, we want to impress people with the wise way in which we live. We want to impress people with, you know, how capable we are at, at, at doing things. Uh, we want to be financially secure. We don't want to be a burden on anybody. We don't want to rely on anybody. Uh, we want to have a good marriage. We want to have good and successful kids. Uh, and, you know, some of these things are not, are, are not necessarily bad things, but it depends on our mo the motives of our hearts. We want to be nice people that other people like and admire. Or maybe, maybe it's a bit more spiritual than this. We want to be moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, we, want to be, uh, we want to be in church every Sunday, and we, we take pride in our church attendance. We want to be one of the leaders, or, or we want to have some kind of powerful, anointed ministry. And once again, you know, these aren't necessarily bad things. But the problem is, when we think that we are achieving this, we think that we have made it. We think that we have it all together. And Paul is saying here to the strong and the wise, actually, your life is not built on the right foundation. Your confidence is in the wrong place. And he's saying, be careful, because at some point in the future, we will realize that, that these things that we are boasting in, um, we'll realize that we are wrong. Hopefully, hopefully we will, we will realize that we're wrong. That will be a good thing. But even worse than this, sometimes the simplicity or apparent weakness of the cross will become a stumbling block for us. It'll take us out. You see, the problem is that the more that we trust in our own strengths, the harder it becomes to deal with the real issues in our lives. You know, what do we do if we are struggling with a particular sin? If, we, if we're trapped in, as Christians, what do we do if we're struggling with sin? What do we do if our, if our kids are rebelling? If we've got a problem at home? 
What do we do if our marriage is on the rocks, or if we're going through tough times in our marriage? What do we do if our faith is on, our, in the, rocks, on, on the rocks, if we're struggling simply to believe? See, the problem is we hide these things to appear strong, and we end up sacrificing real love and freedom on the altar of our pride. The truth is that God only works when we are confronted and truly come to recognize and admit our weakness, our need for him, our brokenness. And so we become trapped in our folly and we become trapped in our sin and we, and, and we, and we struggle to grow in our relationship with Christ. Uh, and it's all, it becomes all about keeping up the facade of strength, but we miss out on the real power of God which is only found in the weakness and brokenness of the cross. And so that is how um, this message can seem like folly to us. But Paul goes on to say that for those who believe, um, the message of the cross is power unto salvation. The message of the cross is power for the weak and for the foolish. He says that for those who by the standard of the world don't measure up, God has chosen to provide hope, redemption, salvation, and fullness of his power through the apparent weakness and foolishness of Jesus Christ crucified on the cross. Paul says to the Corinthian church, he says, look around you, and, and he could be saying the same to us this morning, look around you. God chose the weak. He chose the unimpressive. Um, he chose those who, who, who aren't from noble birth. He chose the common. He chose the rejected, the despised, the poor, the wayward, the outcast, the shameful, and the sinful. And God has chosen those who, by their own esteem, are completely unworthy of any accolade, any accommodation, or any grace. We don't deserve any of the grace that God has given us. He's chosen those who have come to the point of realization that actually there is nothing in me uh, worth trusting and boasting about. And so I'm going to put my trust in what he has done for me. I've got no other hope. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put my trust in the cross of Christ. And if you are here this morning and you um, in any way identify with this. There's hope for you on the cross. The reason God cho chooses the weak is so that there can be no boasting, so that no one can boast. There can be no question about whose power um, or wisdom is at work in our lives. There's no chance of thinking that there's any goodness in us that would commend us. Paul is saying that if you fit into this category, then, the power, uh, then his power and salvation is available for you in the crucified Christ. You know, for much of my Christian life, I have made the mistake of trying to prove myself. Um, either to, to men, um, it might be at work, it might be in the church, uh, or I've been trying to prove myself to God. And Paul is saying here, yeah, no, you've got it wrong. That's not what this is about. God's power is made perfect in weakness, not in strength. God's power is made perfect when we empty ourselves, when we die to ourselves, 
Um, it's about becoming less, not becoming more. And it's only through a very long and uh, painful process of failure, frustration, loneliness, and obscurity that God has been teaching me. Um, and you know, he's still teaching me. I'm still going through these lessons. He's teaching me to cling to the cross. And so let's take a deeper look at why Paul makes these incredible statements um, about the cross and why it's so foundational to our walk with Jesus. And we're gonna have a look in uh, the book of Isaiah. It's an amazing scripture because this was written, Isaiah 53, it was written 700, I think about 700 years before Jesus actually went to the cross. Isaiah 53, verse four to six. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crucified for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his words, sorry, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Make no mistake, we are on the same boat as everybody else. When we look around at the world today and we see the news and we, we see the way people are living, we see the things people are saying, none of us can stand and judge. In every one of us, there is a desire to do things our own way. In every one of us, there's a rebel we don't like being told what to do. All we have gone astray, like sheep. All we have chosen our own way. And you know more than that, all of us struggle with our tendency towards sin. Um, David, who wrote Psalm 51, who wrote many of the Psalms, one in particular, Psalm 51, he puts it like this, my sin that is ever before me. And the writer uh, in the New Testament to, to the Hebrews, um, puts it like this, sin that clings so closely. Paul reminds us later on in the same letter to, to the Corinthian church, he says that all of us, to varying degrees, uh, before we came to Christ, were living in shameful ways that dishonored God. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. And it is by grace that we have been saved. We haven't earned it. In another letter to uh, another church, to, to the uh, church in Ephesus, Paul writes this, and I'm just gonna sort of, uh, there's a couple of statements that I just wanna grab out of that letter and, and just read them to us. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. He goes on to say, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. On the cross, Jesus received the punishment that we deserve to satisfy the wrath of God against the sins of the world. Um, 
what Jesus did on the cross has been described as the self-substitution of God. He took our, God took, took our place because of his love for us. And Paul wrote this to the Galatians. He said, the son of God loved me and gave himself up for me. I heard uh, this said on the Alpha course. I think Nicky Gumbel said it. He said that if you had been the only person in the world, Jesus would have died for you. Isn't that amazing? If you had been the only person in the world, Jesus would have died for us. It's as personal as that. He loves you that much. And this is the reason for for the cross, that God loves you and God has had mercy on you. Jesus famously said, greater love has no one than this, that that someone lays his life down for his friends. Jesus died instead of you and instead of me. And it wasn't uh, just suffering physically. He didn't just suffer physically. He suffered spiritually as well. He was bearing on himself your guilt and my guilt. And at one point while he was on the cross, he cried out. He said, Father, why have you forsaken me? You see, God had turned his back on his own son in order to bring judgment and retribution on the horrible things, uh, on the terrible things that we do to one another and the terrible way in which we treat God sometimes in our hearts. Jesus became separated from his father, whom he loved in ways that are hard to imagine, having spent eternity in close, intimate relationship together, uh, closer than any human relationship. And I think sometimes when we think about our really close relationships, imagine being separated from the ones that we love. On the cross, God showed himself to be both righteous and merciful, to be both just and loving. Now, a bit about my history. I grew up in the church, but I never had a living faith. And, you know, I had some likable qualities. Some might say some likable qualities. Some might say even some good qualities. Um, but in my heart, I was broken, and I did some terrible things. And you know, there's something amazing and beautiful about all human beings. Um, we are capable of such love. We are capable of, of sacrifice. We are capable of, of kindness and creativity and devotion. There's some really good people out there, and they, they, people are, are capable of doing such, such good things. And that is because we are made in the image of God. We are, in, in many ways, we are made like God. But there's another side to us. We are also capable of some really bad stuff. Um, I've done some bad stuff in my life that I, that I deeply regret. I've, I've hurt people. I've hurt people that I loved. As a Christian, I've hurt people. And before I became a Christian, I pursued a life of, of reveling and pleasure. That's what my life was all about. I was sexually immoral. I was a drunkard. Um, I was extremely selfish, and I was a liar. That was, that was my past. And you know, these things, they poison our lives. These things poisoned my life, and, and they destroy relationships. But more importantly, these things destroy our relationship with our Father in heaven. I was lost. I was cut off from his love and the purpose that he has for my life. But in my early 20s, God reached out to me. And I I just feel like maybe there's somebody here this morning that God is reaching out to. The Holy Spirit began to show me how broken I was and how pointless 
my life was, and he began to put in me a deep desire to be clean and to be right with him. And you know, I tried many times to be right. Uh, I tried to go to church, I tried to do the right thing, but it was the foolish message of Christ and him being crucified, sown into my heart over and over again by, by loads of different people. This message brought me, uh, brought me near to him and turned my life around. It was this message that set me free from my sin, took away my guilt, and it was this message on the cross, uh, of the cross that released the power of God, uh, God's power into my life. But it's not a once-off thing. That's where it begins. And Jesus says, now, now that you believe, now that the, my power has been released into your life, come and take up your cross. Come and follow me. Come and walk with me. And just before Jesus went to be crucified, he met with his disciples and he sat them down and he, and he spoke to them. He told them this. He said, he said that uh, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 25, I think we've got it up there. He said, uh, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For the Christian, the cross is not just a thing of the past. It's a daily walk. It's a whole new lifestyle. When I got saved, there was such joy, there was such peace, there was such victory in so many areas of my life. I'm incredibly grateful for God, uh, to God for that. I was brought radically near to him. I completely fell in love with him. But as many of you know, um, this is just the beginning. I've been walking with the Lord for 20 years now, and it's been quite a journey. Jesus is teaching his disciples here that the cross is not just a once-off moment, followed by a life of you know, breakthrough and victory and, and glory and riches uh, and doing good stuff. We must take up his cross and follow him. He says that when we devote ourselves to him, we follow him to the cross. We follow the way of the cross and we begin, begin the process of laying down our lives for the sake of others. It's not about us, it's for the sake of others. We begin the process of, desi- of dying to ourselves. And guys, this has been such a, a, a frustrating and hard journey for me as I'm sure it has been difficult for many of you. Many of you sitting here this morning are sitting here going, saying, I can so relate to this. Uh, so many struggles with sin, even as a Christian. Uh, struggles with selfishness, pride, anger, getting angry, uh, chasing after the things of this world. I still find myself doing that. Uh, and not just these internal things, not just these internal battles, um, but suffering, loneliness, Tragedy, disappointment, failure. Through all these things, this way of the cross, God has time and time again brought me to a place of, of, of deep, heartfelt surrender. And this is actually the grace of God. This is where the power of God is found. Not the breakthrough that I imagined, but coming to the place of surrender, the place of realization that actually I can't do it myself that actually I'm not as cool as I think I am. The reality is that I'm just a mess of a person 
in need of God's saving grace every day of my life. And this is the place of, uh, it, it is in this place of brokenness, weakness, softness, and surrender that God's power begins to work in our hearts. Over time, I'm beginning to identify more and more uh, with Paul, um, once again, this writer that, that has written these incredible things. I'm beginning to identify with him when, he's, when, he, when he wrote to the, uh, to, in his second letter to the same church, the Corinthians. He wrote this, he said, Christ's power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast even more in my weakness so that the power of God may rest on me. This is the process that we must all go through as we follow the way of the cross. But you know, God does not leave us there. It's not a horrible place. It's not a terrible place. It's a good place to be. Jesus says that who is ever willing to lose his life for my sake will find it. And it it is in this sense again that the cross becomes something for us to boast in uh, as we surrender to the working of the Holy Spirit through the process of crushing and weakness and struggle. God brings about a powerful recreation in our hearts that leads to fullness of life and eternal life. It leads to true freedom, true hope, true breakthrough in our lives. And you know what? At the end of the day, none of us will be able to boast because when, we, when, when God works his power in us, uh, it, it truly and unequivocally brings glory to him. There can be no doubt about whose power is at work in us. There can be no doubt about God's power at work in us weak and foolish people. And so I hope that uh, encourages you this morning that it's not about having it all together. It's not about having all the answers and doing all the right things. And that God's hope is for those of us who found ourselves in a broken place, in a place of surrender. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.